Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Café Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, Portrait of Rocky. It was the stifling sort of night when you expect people to stay at home and out of trouble. Later on, it got a lot hotter. I wasn't exactly done in oil, but I was plenty burned up. The night air out of the desert was thick and depressing, and the windmill fan and the tambourine made it even worse. At 11 o'clock, I sent the help home, figuring to close up early. The only trouble was a couple of customers. One was over in a corner nursing some cognac, a big shaggy specimen, dark eyes, gray showing in his beard. Might have been American once. The other one was easier. He hung onto the bar and let you know about himself. Ah. ah, I tell you, right amount I've signed it to his nose. Oh, I get the idea. You and Montgomery, like that, huh? Yeah, just let me tell you a week before Tobruk what I'm saying. I'm standing in the tanks. See? How about finishing it off, huh? Closing time. Oh, wait a minute, Governor. I haven't told you. Hey, hey, hey now. Cut an eye full of that bloke, would you? Oh, the beard over there? Staring at me, yes. Why does he get off staring at me like that? Oh, take it easy. It's me he's looking at. You, me, what's the difference? He does it every night. Why does he get too fast? Hey, put down that bottle. A man's got a right to his privacy, ain't it? Do me. I said take it easy. I'll teach him. I'll move both his eyes for All him. All right, Aussie. Do you keep any kind of record? Oh, of course I do. I'm bound to. A matter of law. Seven or eight months should... Uh, let me see. That would be uh, November, October... Seven would be March. Uh, eight would be February. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, oh, frankly, I'm intrigued. How many of my items may have been involved with tragedy? Who knows? Perhaps I'm a curse. <laughs> I was hoping you'd be a cure for this one. Uh, well, I hope so. You wouldn't know what week or day. Oh, I'm afraid not. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, my. Uh, oh, my. Uh. February wasn't a very good month, was it? Uh, Post-holiday slump. Reset, change rings, high, set opals. Oh, dreadful stuff. Uh, oh, oh. Hmm? What? No, 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 no. It's much too small. Key for a jewel box. Well, let me see, let me see. Uh, ah, March. Yes, yeah, engraved spoon. Reset, reset, repair, place. Yeah. Ah, here it is. Door key in gold, March 17th. What name? <laughs> Do not deliver. We'll call J.E. Carter. J.E. Carter. Does that help? No, no, not a bit. Do you remember anything about him? No, paid in cash. Uh, oh, wait, now, that was the day Mrs. Brand brought the baby shoe in for placing. She's the councilman's wife. I remember that. It was snowing. That was the day it was ordered, Yes, huh? now, wait a minute, wait a minute. It was modeled from a plain old cast house key. Uh-huh. I cannot picture him. But I'd done some apartment keys, and he said this was for a cottage. Outside of town? It was a surprise for his wife, someplace on the bay. I remember that because of the hideous weather, and I could just feel that wind coming through one of those summer cottages. Now, do you think you'd recognize him if you saw him again? Well, I can't say until I do. Uh, I could try. Uh, well, we may have to call on you then. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I think you've helped. <laughs> Thank you. 
How'd you make out with that fussy little man, Dollar? We found the day the key was ordered, and he remembered a few things because a councilman's wife came in the same day. Why? Well, the customer, Carter was the name he used, mentioned a cottage on the bay. Now, that's east, and the girl's body was found northwest of here. I think she was dumped from a car coming toward Boston from out there. So I think the cottage is in that direction. <laughs> Deduction, yet. Look, if I were going to dump a body, I wouldn't carry it across two traffic lanes, would you? I'm being paid to think about another case. I couldn't sell the murder pitch upstairs. But I tried, and I'll buck for a promotion if you're right and upstairs is wrong. I don't suppose you could earn that promotion by assigning some men to cover that section. Huh? Oh, not a chance. That's county. Division of responsibility. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, for one, wouldn't be surprised to know how many people have died because of that division of responsibility. Expense account item four, $35 mileage covering a two-and-a-half-day search of real estate offices northwest of Boston. Object, a cottage rented a few days before March 17th by a man possibly using the name J.E. Carter. It was morning tonight legwork, but on the afternoon of the third day, it paid off. I found an agent who had rented a cottage to a J.E. Carter. She took me out, but before we went into the place, I noticed a lean-to garage marked up by plenty of tire tracks. Inside, I found a stained rug, among other things. Well, Mr. Dollar, I've always said I personally vouch for the people I do business with. You never know, do you? I should say you don't. You want to go now? I think I've seen enough. Let me lock it. I want to see if this key fits. It does fit. Yeah, it sure does. Hello, Mr. Hollis. May I come in? Why, yes, yes, of course. Come in. Well, I didn't expect you to come back. Didn't you, Mr. Hollis? You thought you'd get away with this, huh? What did you say? Well, now, there's no reason to be clever with each other, Mr. Hollis. I know you killed her. You rented a cottage out beyond Mystic River. You used the name J.E. Carter when you bought the gold key. I did that? I'm afraid you did. Come into the other room. Yes, you're right, I did. I became infatuated with her. If you'd known her, you'd understand. I I realized last week that it had to stop, and I told her. She uh, had been going with that young Corey boy. I told her that even if I was single and eligible to marry, I would advise her to hang on to him, someone her own age. That was last Tuesday night? Yes. She left the cottage, and I heard her drive off. Or at least I thought I did. When I went out, I... I learned what she had really done. She committed suicide in the car. You can hardly blame me for wanting to keep the secret. Oh, you've been reading the papers, Mr. Hollis. Suicide and all that. I've been inside your cottage. You didn't do a very good job of cleaning up the bloodstains. You're right, Mr. Dollar. There seems to be no longer any reason to attempt cleverness. I'll make my statement to the police. I'll drive you down. Thank you. How did you find out, Dollar? 
There was a Wall Street Journal there, addressed to you. Oh, I see. Edward? Now, Beatrice, go upstairs. No, Edward, I won't. I insist, Beatrice. What good would it do? Do what I've done because I lost you? Why should you ask me to go upstairs while I lose you again? I forbid you to say another word. Forbid, Edward. You have no right. I found them, the dollar. It took a long time, but I found them. She had taken him from me because she was beautiful. And I no longer am. I was waiting in the cottage. And when they came in, I struck her. Is this true, Mrs. Hollis? I killed her. Since there was nothing left, we carried her to the cop. <laughs> Beatrice. Beatrice, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> Expense account item five, $110, final bill for car rental. Item six, $85, miscellaneous. Expense account total, $356.75. Remarks? I don't know what sticklers the Massachusetts law courts are, but Joan Sebastian was not killed by the wronged wife. She was unconscious but alive when Hollis put her in his car trunk. She died there by carbon monoxide. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien may soon be seen in the Paramount Pictures production, Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Virginia Gregg, Howard McNear, Virginia Eiler, Wally Mayer, John Stevenson, Bill Johnstone, and Raymond Burr. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. This is Dan Coverly inviting you to join us next week at this time when we will again bring you Edmund O'Brien as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Stay tuned for Von Monroe's Caravan, which follows immediately over most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, where Hopalong Cassidy rides every Saturday night. Columbia Broadcasting System. I was awakened way too early by someone banging on the front door of the tambourine. It was Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo Police. Good morning, Jordan. Sam, I'm not entertaining. What's the idea? A small matter. Well, let's save it till later. One moment. A beggar saw a man in your cafe last night. <sighs> That unusual? An Australian talking to you at the bar. Sure, name's Bertie. Short, shifty eyes, seersucker suit. Why? Your memory's rather sharp, Jordan. Ought to be. Got a little noisy. I threw him out. A few minutes later, he came back with some brass knuckles. I took the count. And you did not notify the police? You want me to call you every time somebody gets rough in my cafe? Jordan, this is more serious than you think. The man you call Bertie was just found back of the tambourine. He's dead. What'd you find on him, Sam? Very little. Why? Did he take something from you last night? Uh, no money. Only a picture. P what kind of a picture? Pencil sketch of me. Uh, <laughs> of you, Jordan? Are you suggesting that a picture of you is 
Motivation for murder? All I'm saying is he knocked me out, took it from me, and it's gone now. Well, perhaps when this Bertie sobered up and got another look at your picture... Okay, have your laugh, Sam. But think about it. I have much more important things to occupy my mind. Come on, Jordan. We had a look at Bertie. That didn't help my morning any. Sam kept asking the same questions, but always kept leading back to the missing pencil sketch of me. So when Sam left, I decided to dig a little. The artist, Jeffrey James, figured to be information please, so I tried to run him down. A couple of art stores knew nothing about him, so I put in a phone call to somebody named Tuga Bey, Egyptian art critic on one of the newspapers. Yes, this is Tuga Bey. I'm uh, trying to locate a guy named Jeffrey James. He's a... Uh... Jeffrey James. I'm afraid I do not know. Uh, he's an artist. Oh, that James. An, an artist, you say? <laughs> bah, bad. No style. Uh, look, I'll read about it in your column. All I want to know is where he lives. Well, he used to have a studio at number 16, Street of Many Moses, but I don't Thanks. know. Thanks. I didn't have any trouble finding it. It was down a dusty, narrow street full of flies and herb smells and peddlers. And up some outside steps to the top floor of number 16, Street of Many Moses... A peddler was doing a sales job and a very sleek young lady standing in the doorway. Madame, wait! Do not shut the door. I have the samples, many samples. Please, no, no, go Brushes, away. postcards, neckties, snake balls. Take your foot out of the door. Sample for every human need. Oh, Effendi, for you too, a man, I sell something. No, I'm not buying. Brushes I got. Oh, careful, madame. My foot is still there. You heard the lady, brush. Uh, Effendi. Go on, Imshi, beat it. Oh, but Effendi, if you went, but look, sample... Thank you, sir. Uh, skip it. Now, now you go away, too, please. I want to come in. No, please, no. I'm looking for Mr. James. So? I'm Rocky Jordan. I'd like to see him. But, but your name means nothing to me. Mr. James is not here. Where is he? And, and the studio is so dirty. It's so poor. Well, that's it... all right. He told me he wasn't selling like Renoir. He... He said what? Oh, never mind. Oh, wait. You know, we're... Wait, I must cover the paintings. What's, uh, what's the matter with them? Only that... There of me. You're his model? Yes. Oh. This morning, I, I came to work on time, but... How do I know I can trust you? Well, you don't, but uh, he says I got a nice face. Yes, I can see that for myself. Come on, tell me. What is it? This morning, I found a note. I, I have it here. Jeannie, I'll not need you this morning. I may never need you again. Stay here. You'll hear from me once more. Well... His bed wasn't slept in. Uh, what do you know about him? I've been modeling for Mr. James for almost a year, but I know so little about him. He He's such a strange man, so so alone, so tragic. Yeah, he thinks he's a failure, but he's got some friends, some enemies, something. No, no, there's just me. I, I'm like a daughter to it. I don't know. I see. What was the outcome of your talk with Harvey? He assured me he'd break off with Helen. You sure about that? Completely sure. I decided to stay at a hotel that night instead of coming back home. I suppose that's how the police knew I was in the city. It's Helen's story that when she saw Harvey later, they decided to elope. If I believed that... But I don't. I think she's lying. And how about you, Daphne? Have you given me the whole truth now... Yes, Johnny. The whole truth. 
Everything I've done has been done solely to protect the family name. Everything. Right then, I'd have given a lot to know just what that everything involved. Whether or not it also included some weird idea of killing Harvey to somehow protect the family name. Expense account item 14320, transportation back to the city. I got permission from Joe Rostelli to talk to Helen Barron. When they brought her into the interrogation room, she looked pale and tired. Hello, Johnny. Helen, several things I want to ask you about. Sit down. Sure. What? Martha Winters, for one. Harvey's secretary? What about her? Well, she made a statement that she'd seen you heading for Harvey's apartment around 11.30. That had put you inside there during the time of the murder. No. No, I'm sure it was later than that. Almost 12 when I got back there. Martha later admitted that she lied. But the question is, why? Still carrying the torch for Harvey? Yes, I guess she was. Next item's about Alvin Gentry. Lieutenant Rostelli told me about that confession Alvin made. He got all the details wrong. Caliber of the gun. Poor Alvin. What do you mean? Well, he'd always made it clear how he felt about me. But I didn't think he'd go that far. Well, how do you feel about him? I've always liked him very much. Used to go with him some. But I stopped when I started seeing Harvey. Did you talk to Alvin Long at your apartment that night? No. Just a few minutes while I was packing. <sighs> you know, you just talked yourself out of an alibi. What do you mean? Well, after Gentry's confession didn't sell, he was willing to swear you were with him during the entire period the murder could have taken place. <sighs> Johnny, why does an innocent person need an alibi? It helps in court. Believe me. Well, how'd you make out with Daphne and Helen, Johnny? Joe... Remind me never to get involved with show people again. They make their living putting on an act, and I'm just country boy enough not to be able to tell a difference once in a while. They both gave you nice, straight stories, huh? Oh, yeah, sure. Real sincere. Looking right in the eye, both of them. But one of them was lying, huh? Daphne said Harvey told her he'd break off with Helen. But Helen says the two of them were planning to elope. Of course, Harvey might have changed his mind after talking to Daphne. Yeah, but that's something we're not going to be able to confirm now. No. Johnny, it's a cinch Alvin Gentry's convinced that Helen's guilty. I think he's holding back something. Guy doesn't stick his neck out that far without a reason. I know, but I still don't dig her motive. Well, suppose Daphne's telling the truth that Harvey broke up with Helen. Maybe she couldn't stand getting the brush off. Yeah, could be, all right. People can do some strange things under the name of love, Johnny, particularly when it turns to hate. And that can happen awful fast. <laughs> Expenses, items 15 and 16, a dollar 40 cab to my hotel and a dollar even for a pot of coffee in my room. One hour, three cups of coffee and half a dozen cigarettes later, I was still nowhere. I was beat. And then a weird little idea began pecking away. A couple of things Rostelli had said suddenly started adding up to a pretty fantastic answer. Maybe it wouldn't stand the light of day, but it was night now, and it was the only idea I could come up with. I decided to try it on for size. I went to the club Alvin Gentry managed. Oh, hello, Dollar. I was sort of hoping you'd be around again. Oh? Yeah, I want to talk to you, but not now. It's almost closing time. Uh, stick around, will you? I waited at the bar while the customers left. Twenty minutes later, Gentry and I were alone. He slid onto a stool beside me. Drink? 
Uh, no, no thanks. Uh, what's on your mind, Gentry? Well, I've been thinking about what you said the last time we talked about uh, perjury. Huh? I decided you were right, Dollar. They make it pretty tough on you for perjury. Yeah, they do. I'm withdrawing my statement that Helen was with me at the time of the murder. Well, that's probably the smart thing to do, Gentry. Sure, what's the use? I'm getting tired of being a sucker in this deal of fall guy. Oh? That goofed-up confession I made was bad enough. And I had to stick my neck out still further with that fake alibi for her. And for what? So you're withdrawing the statement, huh? Yeah. That's uh, probably what you came to see me about, huh? No. No, that isn't why I came to see you at all, Gentry. Hmm? And I wouldn't exactly call you a sucker. I think you're one of the smartest guys I've ever seen in a sort of weird and twisted kind of way. What are you talking about? You played this whole deal real cagey right from the start. Everything you did was supposed to look like a cover for Helen. But instead of that, you were really trying to put a noose around her neck. You're out of your mind, Dollar. And that confession you made, Gentry, that's why I came to see you. To tell you it wasn't goofed up at all. You did kill Harvey Stone. You know, you've got a real weird sense of humor. Have I? A couple of things Lieutenant Rostelli said added up in my mind a few minutes ago. Love can turn to hate fast. And you'd have to have a good reason to do what you did. You wanted Helen bad. When she told you that night she was going to marry Harvey Stone, you couldn't stand the idea. If you couldn't have her, nobody could. You're talking crazy. You went to Harvey's apartment and killed him. Then you made that fake confession to look like you were shielding her. Actually, you were framing her. No. You knew we wouldn't believe you, and we wouldn't believe that alibi you offered for her. It all made her look more guilty by the moment. Dolly, you're forcing me to say something I didn't want to. Oh, what is it? Helen was mad at Harvey that night. A slob in a fez. It was Tuga Bay, the art critic I talked to on the phone that morning. Yes, yes, we talked on the telephone, didn't we? You were looking for that fellow James. Dreadful sense of color. James? James? Never heard of him. Who is he? Uh, sugar and milk, Mr. Jordan? Uh, thanks. I'd like a slice of lemon. May I ask why it was you wished to find him? Really? I don't particularly care who he is. You needn't bother telling me. Oh, it's frightfully hot. I uh, wanted him to paint me a mural, Mr. Bay, that's all. Oh, yes, yes, of course, that's it. A restaurateur, you say you are. Uh, I own a place. Oh, people eat so much, don't they? But it would be nice, wouldn't it? One of those lovely panoramic things over your bar, I suppose. With simply acres of female flesh. Bad for the digestion, though, I should think. Uh, Mrs. Wentworth, about your Renoir. You were saying you bought it here in Cairo just a day or two ago. Did I? Oh, but of course I must have. How much did you pay for it? Oh, uh, um, oh, blast, how should I know? Was it five pounds? That's what I printed in my article. There you are, young man. Newspapers never lie. Isn't it just possible that your Renoir isn't real? That you threw away over $20,000 on a phony? That's a ridiculous notion. I'm an expert, Mr. Jordan. And Tugger here. He's frightfully keen. The picture is perfectly genuine. The find of the season. Mrs. Wentworth, take a look at me. Oh? You've studied the drawing. It could be my photograph. What? It's me. Look at me. Don't you see it in my face? Really, young man. All I can see in your face is my desire to be 25 years younger. <laughs> there, now. That's the nicest thing I've said all day. Thank you, Mrs. Wentworth. I wish you were. Goodbye. Oh, Jordan. Jordan, wait a moment. Yes, Mr. Bay? Um, about that picture. What about it? You said it was genuine. And I am certain it is. I have staked my reputation as a critic on the authenticity of that Renoir. Then we haven't anything to talk about. No way, Jordan. You interest me. Tell me, 
does Jeffrey James have any connection with this, uh, this impossible theory of yours? Nothing much, except that he drew my picture and sold it to Mrs. Wentworth for 5,000 pounds. That is preposterous. Is it? Why don't you ask Jeffrey James? I most certainly shall. And immediately, Jordan. Tuga Bay moved out fast. And next I went looking for the agent who'd sold the Renoir. Only he'd taken off the day before to visit the Louvre in Paris. I got around and talked to a lot of people, but they all thought I was nuts. And an hour later, I began to think so myself. I headed back for the tambourine about sunset. I was just crossing the street in front of my place when a little jeep whirled around the corner and I jumped for the curb. Oh, Effendi Jordan, I find you. Uh, Ali, the Seamus. Where you been? Well, that I have come to tell you. I am convinced the life of a private eye is a bomb racket. All right, come off the spade routine, Ali. I'm not buying. Oh, but this you should know, Effendi. There is a murdered man. I discovered him a short time ago lying in an alley back of the street of Many Moses. You discovered who? The art critic, Tugabe. Tugabe is dead? Yes, Effendi. He had been shot only a short time. Come on, let's go. Where, Effendi? Back to Tugabe. Now, start it up, Ali. As you wish, Effendi. And now, uh, suppose you start at the beginning and tell me everything you know. But there is nothing you do not know yourself. You're avoiding the police too much, Ali. Why? Oh, please, you are touching a sore point, Mr. Jordan. All right, let's have it. Even in Cairo, the eye must be legit. No license? Natural intelligence, they admit I have. Uh, but I am handicapped. How so? Mirror vision. Say that again. Oh, please, it is not good for my ego. The world I see backwards. Only a few people are so afflicted with mirror vision, and I am one. Yeah. Something's beginning to add up. What did you say, Effendi? You're the only one who looked at the Renoir and said it was me. That is true. Nobody else could see the resemblance because that drawing is wrong side, too. Like I see myself when I shave every day, like the guy who drew it. Uh, like he what, Effendi? Jeffrey James sat in my tambourine night after night, staring at me in a bar mirror. That is it. He studies you. He is making a sketch. He sells it as a master for big money. He made another for me in the tambourine freehand. Oh, yes. Evidence against him. A mistake. So when it falls into the hands of the Australian, James must kill him. No, I don't need a diagram. I put Tugabe on the artist's trail today. James had to kill him, too. Ah, so, Effendi Jordan, we have got our man. Ali Ben Seamus parked his jeep a couple of blocks from where he discovered the body of Tugabe. A crowd of natives was milling around the spot, so we knew the police were there, too. I didn't want to talk to them just yet. Not till I paid Jeffrey James a visit. So I headed on foot for his studio. And the eye of the desert flapped along behind like a, a boy scout on his first snipe hunt. It was dark by now, and the street of many Moses didn't look quite so shabby. We groped up the rickety steps, and Jeannie answered my nod. Mr. Jordan, what do you want? A word with your artist friend, Jeffrey James. But I told you he's gone. I still haven't heard from him. I, I'm so worried. Why? Well, so many strange things are happening. Yeah, like the murder of Tuga Bay. Mr. Jordan, no. no. What are you doing? Getting a look at these pictures you covered up this morning. Please, I... Yeah, I... have a look, Ali. They're not all pictures of Jeannie. Renoir's, Monet's, Gauguin's, all phonies by Jeffrey James. Right, Jeannie? Why, 
Yes, but, but what does it matter? It adds up, Effendi. Now we know this girl is covering up for the artist. You're right, Ali. I don't understand. What is this all about? It's simple, Jeannie. Your boss has been playing people like Mrs. Wentworth for suckers, selling his own stuff as originals of masters, then killing when anybody got in his way. Oh, no, this can't be. Jeffrey's like a father. He couldn't harm anyone. Yeah. Where is he, Jeannie? I don't know. Now, please go. Let them stay, Jeannie. Jeffrey. It is the artist. Watch him, Mr. Jordan. Calm yourself, my boy. It's as Jeannie says, I would harm no one. Yeah, we've got a different idea, James. By mid-afternoon, I was completely and happily exhausted from hauling him in. Earl, meantime, had laid himself across the floor and slept. So we went on back to the dock, selected a couple of nice pompano to take home, then trudged wearily over to where I'd parked Earl's car. That's a mighty pretty car you got there, Mr. Foreman. Oh, a lot of good it's doing me these days with this busted ankle. Having to depend on Johnny here, the speed demon, to get me around. <laughs> a lot more fancy than my old Maxwell it is. Did you say Maxwell? Yep. Drove it all the way down here from New Hampshire, and I did. 1922 Maxwell. And it's still running? Yep. Headed up to Bennett's after groceries just a week ago last Saturday. You'd like to see it? I sure would. Earl, would you mind waiting? No. Go ahead, Johnny. Right over here in the garage, Mr. Dollar. 1922, hmm? Yep. And the finest car I ever owned. Hmm. Come to think of it, the only one. Real cheap to run, too. That's why I keep it. Now then, here we are. Here now. Well, sir, there's it. My, oh, my, Mr. Dollar. Who is he? What's happened to him? The he that Captain Barney spoke of was slumped there in the front seat of the ancient Maxwell his face against the wheel and turned in our direction. The face was gray, a mask of death. Proud we are, we being the CBS radio network, to be able to bring you on this station each weekday the songs of Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney. In addition to the sparkling Bing Crosby Rosemary Clooney show, we're equally delighted to present at this same time each weekday the assorted talents of Art Linkletter, the house party man, Gary Moore and Derwood Kirby, and the rousing Arthur Godfrey time. There's no business like show business, and nowhere else such a fine sampling of same than on this blockbuster CBS Radio Network Entertainment Fest. The nicest thing about it is, should you miss any or all of these great stars on a Monday, you can catch right up with them the next day, or any weekday you're so minded. Remember, nowhere else can you enjoy each and every weekday the Bing Crosby, Rosemary Clooney Show. The conversational gifts of Gary Moore and his foil, Derwood Kirby. The kids' comedy and cut-ups of Art Linkletter's house party. And the air of glee with gusto that's a specialty of Arthur Godfrey time. A quick examination of the body made it pretty evident that the man, whoever he was, had died of carbon monoxide poisoning. What's more, the ignition switch of the old Maxwell was in the on position. The gasoline gauge said empty. More important, I could find no marks on the body that might have indicated a struggle of any kind. My, my, Mr. Dollar, this is a terrible thing. Terrible. Do you know who he is, Captain Bunny? No, can't say I ever saw him before in my life. But he's certainly dead, isn't he? He's certainly dead. Handsome man, too. 
Can't be more than maybe 50, 55 years of age. Mm -hmm. uh, look at that beautiful head of hair. Oh, nice clothes, too, yeah. You better not touch him. Oh, don't you worry about that. When did you say you last used this car of yours, Captain? A week ago, last Saturday. Did you fill the gas tank then by any chance? Yep, fill it up the top. Let's see. Huh? Empty now. Yes. And the garage has been locked ever since? Ever since, Mr. Dollar. Nobody else but me has a key for it. Ah, but now, look here, sir. Don't touch anything, Captain. Oh, I won't. I won't, sir. I won't. You see here? Latch on this window is open. Let's see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look these spider webs all over it, though. So this must be the way that he got into it. Uh, to do this to himself. For herself? Oh, it's all so easy. You take the blame, Jeffrey. You're the sucker. Please let her go, Mr. Jordan. She and I will go away together. No, Jeffrey. And... Only I will go away. Effendi, she has a gun. Yes, and there are enough bullets to kill all of you. Please, Jeannie, my darling. Shut up. I'll do it quickly. Why do you cringe, Jeffrey? Effendi, Jordan, what do we do now? You're a detective, Ollie. You tell me. Oh, yes. Sam Spade, he would think quickly... He would move in. Ali, no. So you're the first. She swung around, but he kept coming, and she fired on him point blank. That was my chance. Before she could swing back, I had her by the wrist, and the gun dropped. Jeannie scratched me up a little, but she knew she was through. And all this time, Jeffrey James stood as though in a stupor. Well, as usual, Sam Sabaya was moving around a couple of steps behind me, and the gunshot brought him quick. Jordan! All right, here's your killer, Sam. She just tried it again. Yeah. Greco, I'm uh, Take everyone into custody at once. At once, if it... Uh, lay off the artist. He's okay. I will get a full statement at headquarters from everyone. Uh, Jordan, who, who, who is this? Ali Ben Seamus. She only creased him. He's coming out of it. Ben... Is this the, the, the pest who is always hounding me for a detective's license? Yeah. I think he won his color, Sam. Oh, wait. Effendi, uh, I did not do so well. I fear capers are not for me. Well, think again, Ali. I got an idea you'll get your license now. Can it be, Effendi, that I will be a real private eye? How about it, Sam? Hmm? Uh, oh, uh, well, Jordan, uh, if, if what you... Uh, perhaps. Oh, so? Now, when the telephone rings, I will say, Ali Ben Seamus, license number 34687. Oh, but uh, now I am tired. Sure. Do you know what your friend Sam Spade would say in a case like this? What, if indeed? Good night, sweetheart. It's CBS again at the same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Jack Moyles plays the title role with Night Story by Jackson Gillis and edited by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman. Rocky Jordan is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Richard Arundt.
Larry Thor speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>